You're listening to a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. Hey there, I'd like to invite you back towards the seat. We're going to be continuing in our series called Jesus, Your Name. And over these next several weeks, we are talking about the significance of and declaring the name of Jesus over all things in our life. And when we're doing that, what we're doing is we're discussing and talking about his power, his glory, his sovereignty, his love, his peace, and all that he represents. His person, his character, his ways and means over and above all. And there's a few things, you know, as we're talking about in Jesus' name, I I had my message done this week on Tuesday, and I thought this is going to be great. And then... I got a nudge, and this, this does not happen often, where I, I, I nor, with my normal preparation, I pray, prepare, and I kind of know where we're going. And it's like, this is going to be good, but I want, I needed to do something else. So Thursday, I was wrestling with putting together the message we're talking about today, because I felt this, this needed to come next. And so I really want you to hear the significance of what we're talking about is the power of the name of Jesus, and where does that come from? And also kind of comparing and looking at Jesus' life when he was here on earth and the areas where he was, when he became empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so you may know that, you know, Jesus was 30 years old or so when he began his ministry. Wonder, what did he do up until he was 30? We see a child, we see Jesus in the temple at 12 years old, and it says basically, (coughs) excuse me, he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And then between 12 and 30, we don't see anything. According to what we know from things that are inferred from Scripture, he was known as, the, uh, as a known quantity in his home village, you know, adopted home village of Nazareth. His dad was known as the carpenter. Maybe that Jesus himself was a carpenter growing up in that. And so at 30 years old, something significantly changed. And it wasn't that all of a sudden Jesus became God, but there was a time when it was he received the go-ahead to move forward into what God had for him in his ministry on earth. And so in when Jesus was about 30, he was baptized in both the water and baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 40, it talks about the prophetic forerunner, John the Baptist. It didn't mention his name, but it says there's going to come a guy. We know him as John the Baptist who came to uh, baptize and declare that the, the, the Son of God, the, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one was coming. The way of the Lord. And in John's message, we see in Matthew 3 and again in, in uh, Luke 3, that he says, I came to baptize you with water, but the Messiah or the anointed one is coming and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he says, and by the way, all you people think I'm great. I'm not even worthy enough to tie this guy's shoes. When he saw Jesus coming towards him, he yells out to everybody who's there. Because there's huge crowds that were gathered. And it's not like they're gathered in this main area of Jerusalem. They're about 20 miles or so. It's like maybe push it a little bit further out. They're in Carson City, okay? And they are not traveling on a corridor in between on a nice bridge over through Washoe Valley. It's a 20 or 30 mile trek to get to where John is baptizing. And people are going there in order to, to repent of their sin and to be baptized. And when John sees Jesus, he says to everybody, everybody take a look. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus comes to, jo- to John and says, I'm ready to be baptized. And John says, dude, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus said, no, this needs to happen so that all righteousness can take place. And so John takes Jesus 
and he baptizes him in the water. And it says, as Jesus came out of the water, a couple things happened. It says, the Holy Spirit descended on him, and it was kind of like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a bird, okay? It's a, that's a symbol. We use this symbol in our uh, Jesus Christ, our, our baptizer with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not the bird, okay? It was represented in the form of a bird. And the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus and remained upon Jesus. This was the first time in all of human history that the Holy Spirit had been given and not withdrawn. In the Old Testament, whenever people would be filled with the Holy Spirit to do something, the Holy Spirit would come upon them, they would do something, and then the Holy Spirit would lift. But this is the first spot where Jesus has the Holy Spirit come and rest upon him. Second thing that happened is there was a voice from heaven, and this voice was the Father God saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And it says, immediately, immediately, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness where he fasted and prayed for 40 days, and he was there to be tempted by the devil in every way. Coming out of that temptation, both Matthew 4, in a Matthew 4, 17 says, and then Jesus began his ministry. So for 30 years, he lived with a good reputation. He, gained, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, but he was not seen as this teacher or he was not seen as, as, as the one who we look at from this ministry point on. It was from the point he was baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit that he was empowered and led by the Spirit to be tempted is at hand. And he began to heal the sick and raise the dead and bring freedom to the oppressed. And it was the Holy Spirit filling him to the point where that's where his ministry launched. And that was one of the things when people would see him, they say, who is this guy? We know him. And now, who is he now? He seems to be, it's, it's, He's so normal, and yet now he's filled and empowered and called and led by the Holy Spirit to go do these things. So when Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, it says he would travel from one place to another. If you ever map out his, his journeys reading through the Gospels, you'll see he did not travel in an efficient manner. There's times where he'd cross over the Sea of Galilee one day, and he'd cross back over the next day, and he'd walk. What was he doing? He said in John chapter 5, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. So he was led by the Spirit to do what God called him to do in the time frames that he called him to do it. This meant that there were things that he did that were very visible. There's people that he healed, the blind men. He, he caused many to be freed from evil spirits. He multiplied. Uh, he did this great thing, but he also walked by people and did not heal them. There's a story we're going to talk about next week where there's a guy who his entire adult life had sat at the gate beautiful, begging for alms, begging for money because he did not have any and he could not walk. And Jesus walked by him every time he went to the temple and did not heal him. Why? Because his father in heaven did not tell him to do that. For you, for me to take, the, take away today, one of the things I want you to hear is Jesus needed to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to do what God called him to do as a fully man, fully God on the planet. Does that make sense? We do too. That does not mean we walk around and just do whatever we see fit. It means we go about our daily business doing what we believe Jesus would be doing if he was walking in our shoes, looking for an opportunity when the Holy Spirit nudges us 
to engage and to maybe even ask, what can I do for you? This last week, I heard a, uh, a message. It was actually a short podcast from a guy I listened to for the first 10 years I was uh, pastoring here. Back when it was just me here on Monday mornings and there was no one else around, I would pop in his teaching messages, uh, Pastor Ralph Moore from Hope Chapel in Hawaii. He's since retired, but he's got this podcast and he was talking to this British dude and talking about what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to give God space to work in our lives and to work in other people's lives. And I love the answer because it wasn't this thing of we've, we've got these very few gifted people who are walking around and just doing miracles and signs and wonders all over the place. What you have, a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit in 2023 goes to work, goes to school, lives in their neighborhood, goes shopping, gets groceries, goes about daily business, takes the kids to soccer practice, coaches the soccer team, does all these things. When they interact with people, because it's going to happen, and people begin to share where they are and what they're going through and the things that are happening as a part of normal life, they say something along the lines of, and this isn't a magic phrase, can I pray for you? The entry point for the Holy Spirit to work in and through your life isn't going to be in some eloquent speech you give. Most of the time it's going to come in helping to care for a felt need that another person has. Can I pray for you? And I said, well, you know, somebody's sick. Somebody's having a hard time. Somebody just lost a, a family member. Joni was telling me this last week, uh, there was a, there's a, a couple who has kids in our preschool. They have three kids. They have twins, five months old. Please pray for them. Uh, they have gone to Hawaii to celebrate their honeymoon, and they're taking pictures just kind of out. Just, it's just the two of them, and they're walking at low tide along this, this uh, lava rock in, in Hawaii, and these, uh, this freak wave comes and knocks him down, and he ends up with chunks taken out of all over his body, and she ends up with broken bones and messed up legs and a broken patella. And it's like you hear this story. It's like, what can you do? I, I, I can't fix that, but I know who can help. And that's where we come in and we say, how can I pray? And we pray. And that prayer is an invitation to the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. Because you and me are not the people who do miraculous works in people's lives. We introduce people to the power of God by normal people interacting with them and praying for a felt need. Does that make sense? Okay. That is all. That is, that's being the church. That is Monday morning church. That is doing what Jesus would do. It's simply engaging with people on a human level and inviting Jesus into the middle of it when people want you to pray for him. Can't tell you how many times this, if you are thinking about doing this, you will have opportunity to do this all the time. When I go into a place, my wife says, I almost don't even know you anymore because I go in and I'm looking, especially if I'm going into a, a, a restaurant, I'm going into a store, I'm going into Starbucks. I'm not going in there just for the transaction. I'm going in there to say, Jesus, who do you want me to interact with today? And it's not like every time I go in and then there was this, you know, the Holy Spirit, here comes the dove, woo, woo, you know, flying. That's not what's going on. But I go to the same places on a regular basis because when I am there, they start to see me as a regular. And when I come in, you know what they say? Norm. No, that's not what they say. They say, hey, Louie, how's it going? These people who become acquaintances. And after a while, they start to share their stories. And in the last few weeks, <coughs> excuse me, I've been able to pray for my friend Cheryl who manages the Maverick down, down here. For her foot, she's got this chronic foot issue that she's been wearing a boot on off and on for the last year. It's like, 
It's still not working, but she said, hey, can I pray for you? Sure, go ahead. Couldn't hurt, she said. <laughs> I prayed in Jesus' name that God would touch her. I've never had a person say, no, thank you. I don't need that. Ever. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. But going into Starbucks and talking to the person behind the counter, how's it going? Oh, rough day. Hey, can I pray for you? It's like, she says, is it going to be weird? And I said, no. Watch this. And seriously, because I don't know what she's waiting for. Because if you think you got to pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come, Lord. You know, it's, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Bless my heart. Just say, I'll pray with my eyes open. <clears throat> Lord, blessing Lane. Blessing Lane today, give her what she needs. Amen. People are touched because Jesus is interacting with her life. And that was what he calls us to do. just in case. John, this could get interesting up here. My sinuses are doing this download thing, which is rare. Oh, he does. Yeah. Thank you. Being empowered in the name of Jesus means we are walking in his name. We're walking in his character, we're walking in his person, we're walking in his identity. Whatever Jesus does, whatever Jesus could do, he says you will do these things and even greater in my name as we obey him and as we give place to the Holy Spirit to do this. Jesus sent his disciples out with multiple points of instruction. He sent them out recognizing that he is the source of all authority in heaven and earth and under heaven and under earth. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be with us as his representative living inside of us. Jesus does not live in our heart. The Holy Spirit, his representative, lives in our heart. Okay, that doesn't mean he doesn't like you. It means Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, awaiting the Father's instruction to return. Holy Spirit lives in here. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit and fills us with his power, taught or have seen that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that people can shandala and speak in a language out loud all the time, and, without, and that's the only thing that happens. It would be very much the same as a person who plays baseball, and they're given a bat, and the only thing that they do is they go around and do practice swings all the time, and they never actually get in a game to go attempt to hit the ball. The power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not say you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and then you'll all speak in another language. He said you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and then you will receive power to be my witnesses. The prayer language is something that he gives to us that is between us and God for us to be able to speak to him about the things that our spirit needs so that he can build us up and strengthen us primarily. Okay. If you, I mean, this is not in the notes, so bear with me. Um, sometimes within charismatic or churches, that charismatic churches or Pentecostal churches, there's capital P Pentecostal, which means that's how we primarily identify ourselves, or P, lowercase p Pentecostal, which means we believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is today, is for today. It can be such a focus that people think in order to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, tongues is the only thing that we need. And it can almost be like this, this little badge that we get. I can remember talking <coughs> to my dad about him growing up within the Episcopal Church. And he had medals for attendance, worth of attendance, as an altar boy, as one of the people who 
was involved in the, at the front of the church and making sure that the communion wine was filled and the bread was there and just caring for those things. And yet at the same time, all those things, he never heard the message of the gospel in all those years. Not one time. We, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to show up a lot more than just having a badge that says, yeah, I can speak in tongues. It's going to show up in the way we act towards people. It's going to show up in love. It's going to show up in kindness. It's going to show up in care. It's going to show up in compassion. It's going to show up in concern for people who don't know Jesus yet. It's going to show up in living in wisdom. Ephesians 5 tells us we're supposed to uh, walk carefully because the days we live in are evil and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, God gives us his power and authority so we can do business in his name. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he says, your job is to carry the gospel good news wherever you go, sharing this message with all who will respond to it, and declaring that people can be saved in the name of Jesus. So, before Jesus ascended into heaven, Matthew chapter 10, Luke chapter 9, it says, Jesus called his disciples together and said, I'm giving you all my authority. I want you to go out and declare the kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to uh, bring freedom to the oppressed. I want you to cure diseases. I want you to heal. And I want you to say the kingdom of God is at hand. And it says, the disciples came back rejoicing. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. It says this. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The significance of Jesus sending them out was you're going to be doing business in my name and you're going to have the authority that only comes from me. So he gives that to them. And as they're going about, they were blown away that uh, yeah, people got healed, but they were most blown away that those people who were demonically oppressed, that the spirits had to listen to the disciples. And it wasn't because the disciples were awesome. It was, it was because they were functioning in relationship and with the authority of the one who has all authority, the one to whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord. And Jesus said, make sure you don't make a big deal out of the fact that you're treading on scorpions and trampling on snakes. Make a big deal out of the fact that your name is written in heaven. That's the important part here. Rehearsing a little bit. He gave them power over the evil spirited, over sickness and disease, and to declare the kingdom of God. And this was like the beginnings of a discipleship process for the disciples, where he gave them the power and authority necessary to do, and then he got to do this. One of the important things is Jesus knows after about three years, he's going to be crucified, he's going to be buried, he's going to be resurrected. Six weeks later, he will ascend to the right hand of the Father. And he begins to tell his disciples, you know what, when you're praying, I want you to be persistent, and I want you to pursue God. I want you to ask and keep on asking. I want you to knock or seek and keep on seeking. I want you to knock and keep on knocking because whoever asks will receive and he who seeks will find and him who knocks will open. And then he kind of compares it to, you know, when we pray, it's kind of like if you have a, a child who's coming to you and they're asking for bread and you, you're not going to just give them a snake or they come to you asking for an egg. You're not going to give them a scorpion. You know, you guys aren't good parents, Jesus said, but you're going to give your kids something good. And in the same way, when you 
ask the Father in Jesus' name for the Holy Spirit, you can know you will receive the Holy Spirit. He's giving them theology or an understanding about how our relationship with God works, what he's like, and his ways and me of engaging with God to receive the power of God after Jesus is gone. Does that make sense? So, and there are times in the tradition that I am a part of within the Foursquare Church, which is part of a larger charismatic set of churches, there are times that people have insisted that you are not baptized with the Holy Spirit unless you have spoken in a tongue and someone else has been able to say, I hear it, you're doing it. And while I believe that this spiritual language that God can and will give to those who ask to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, I believe that that's, that's true. I also believe that there's a ton of people who have lived under condemnation because they did not speak at the time that they thought they were supposed to speak. If you have been baptized with the Holy, you prayed to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us he will do it. And then the other stuff comes. I would say contend for that prayer language. The, the language that we use to pray to God that we don't even have a clue what we're saying. But in the same way that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit after baptism, we get after coming to Christ, the Holy Spirit seals us, but we also have a subsequent baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's, that's according to our, theology, our, our belief about how God works in this particular area. What does the Holy Spirit do? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? The crash course in this, we're going to actually be talking about this during our growth tracks in more depth next week. And by the way, you can drop in on a growth track. You don't have to have gone through all of them in order to be there. Feel free to drop in next week. The works of the Holy Spirit are this. <coughs> to function as the spirit of truth. To be a promise of Jesus' return. He leaves no orphans. Uh, to testify of him in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is here to teach us all things. To remind us of what Jesus has said. To serve as the spirit of peace. A peace that goes beyond circumstances that is left with us and not dependent on circumstances. The Holy Spirit is the role of the helper with us. The Holy Spirit brings conviction or convincing of the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit guides people into all truth with the authority of Christ and brings glory to and glorifies the name of Jesus. So after the resurrection, the disciples are scared out of their wits. Jesus has been resurrected, and yet they're still in a locked room, afraid that they're next. It says, while in this room, Jesus appeared to the disciples and they freaked out. And he tells them, don't be afraid, peace be with you. He shows them his hands where he was pierced and he shows them his side where he was stabbed with a javelin or a spear. And he's basically saying, this is really me, touch me. There's another spot in John where it says he eats fish that he'd been broiling. It says, I like it still. And this is what he says. He's in the room with the disciples. John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22. Jesus presented him. Nope. John 20, 21 and 22. There we go. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The significance of this is the Holy Spirit has not been poured out yet, but Jesus is letting them know I'm sending the one. I've been promising that the one who's going to testify of me is going to be coming. I want you to get ready. Receive the Holy Spirit. 
I'm trying to imagine these, these guys in this room kind of shaking in their boots. And Jesus is there, guys, peace be with you. Don't freak out. Look, this is where they got, they nailed me to the cross. This is where I was stabbed. And then he does this. The breath of God. The Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives a physical reminder for them to remember. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. It's time. He breathed on them and reminded them, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, this is important because it's going to cause you to remember everything you've been taught. I hate after a teaching, walking out and thinking, now what was that about? Does anybody besides me at times have trouble with retention? Okay, we're in the right spot. It's okay. Or whatever. Because you know what? There's, there's a Bible in here. Oops. It's okay. Don't pay no attention to the water Louis just spilled. If you are, on, I mean, the distractions that are incumbent upon this, I have a hard time to be reading my Bible, and it's like, what time does the Chiefs game? What time? In Jesus' name. All that to say, the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us of what Jesus has taught us. And we want to be prepared, but I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit has reminded me of something Jesus has said that I hadn't thought about in a long time. As I was praying on Friday night, Friday's the day I take off, that's my Sabbath. I'm praying Friday night for this message on, on Sunday, and I was reminded of Jesus' baptism. You'd think a pastor would remember Jesus being baptized. I hadn't even thought that this is the, the launching point of Jesus into ministry, and the very thing that we're talking about today, Jesus did himself. It's like, that would be good to put in the message. It's like, thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Remember, as we keep going, I recognize we're covering a lot of ground, but this is so significant and important. We start talking about there's power in the name of Jesus. This is why. Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Jesus himself presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The Great Commission, which we will be talking about a bit next week, talks about how Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person, every creature. Teach people what I've taught you. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you always, even to the very end of the age. But he also says this, I don't want you doing anything until you've received this. Go and wait until you receive the promise of the Father. The disciples are like, but is this when you're going to like kick Rome out of, out of Jerusalem and you're going to help us take Jesus coming as an actual conquering king? And Jesus said, that's not what we're talking about right now. What you need is the power of God to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. In Reno, Sparks, Carson, to the rest of Nevada and beyond. To be witnesses. I think more than any other answer I get when people talk about being afraid or 
concerned about sharing their faith, the thing that comes up is, I don't know what I will say. I don't know that I, I know enough. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you don't know what to say, it's okay to shut up. And it limits your words, really. But the Holy Spirit will empower you to be a witness and will remind you what to say when it's, you're supposed to say it, if you're supposed to say something. That makes sense? Okay. So, with that, this idea of the Holy Spirit coming as a, as a source of power for us is that we would be his witnesses, that he would also give us the ability to live for God. Living our life to follow after Christ is not something we can do in our own strength. We can try and have... Look at these white knuckles. We can try and white knuckle our way through Christianity and try to, I'm going to do the things I know I'm supposed to do. I'm going to try to stay away from sin. Or we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit in us and trust that we cannot change ourselves. But the good news is that the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is at work inside of us transforming our lives. And we get to cooperate with that. We don't get changed by having the power of the Holy Spirit in us and us saying yes to him every day. That's why the apostles say, put off the old you and put on Christ every day. Well, that doesn't sound like it's easy to do. I put my shoes on every day. Debbie doesn't. She wears flip-flops or she goes barefoot, and that's fine. But every day I get dressed. Most people do. When I'm getting dressed, I say, Jesus, I'm putting you on today. Be with me. Holy Spirit, fill me today. And in the same way I'm getting dressed, I'm saying, Jesus... Help this to feel more and more normal. I don't feel great in a suit. It feels kind of awkward to me. I feel great in my jeans and black polo. When I put my black polo on and I put my jeans on, it's like, this is my outfit. And if this was, you know, the first couple times I'm, I'm, I'm doing, just bear with the analogy. It starts to feel more normal every day you put on Jesus, that that becomes the norm of what you do. It's not just a one time, once a week, it's every single day. And the more you do it, the more you get used to it. It's like, this is what I do, this is who I am. If it feels like you're faking it at the beginning, you know, for me, going from one day before I was married to the day after I was married, I didn't know what it meant to be a married guy. So you know what I did? I, I pretended. What are you supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to love your wife. You're supposed to uh, love her like Christ loves the church. It's like, well, I'm selfish. I'm, uh, I have a bad tone in my voice. And you laugh. I've got all these areas where it's, it's like doesn't feel natural. And die to yourself. Consider one another. Consider others better than yourself. That's not normal. That goes against the grain of be all you can be, do all you can do. To submit to one another out of reverence for God doesn't feel right. What if I'm right and she's saying something that's wrong? Obviously, God would want me to set her straight, right? Let this be a teaching moment. No. In order to learn how to be a husband, it requires practice. In order to learn how to do anything, it requires practice. I was talking to somebody after they graduated from college and they get a job working in their desired field and the first day, how'd it go? It's like, I had no idea what to do. I just kind of went and walked around and hoped I, you know, nobody asked me too many questions. There's so many parallels to our relationship with yourself to the Lord. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, he will give you what you need each single day, every single day. 
Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. <sighs> Power in the name of Jesus to be witnesses. The word witness, by the way, we can kind of see somebody who is called to give an account in front of a court. One of the other examples or uh, ideas of a witness is somebody who gives a record of something. And then the other most commonly used in Scripture version is a person who is a martyr who gives witness to Christ through their death. There's power in the name of Jesus as the disciples are waiting obediently in unity, most likely in an upper room in the temple, suddenly there's a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it's interesting that the mighty rushing wind and the divided tongues of fire, these are both signs of the presence of God from the Old Testament. And each of these tongues of fires came and fire rested on them. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit empowered them. Later on, we hear that these guys who've never really, that people from other parts of the world can understand as they give praise to Jesus in a language they don't understand. Not every time someone speaks in a tongue are they speaking in a language that other people can understand. But if you're going to be talking in a tongue in a, group, a bunch of people, it would sure help if that's interpreted. This becomes the launching point for the apostles, for the church. My mentor said, he, he did this, it wasn't a test, it was more just asking if I was paying attention. He said, what is the most important and significant day for the church of Jesus Christ? And my initial thought was Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus coming back from the dead. And he said, those are big, but that's not the biggest. And of course, you know, why? And Jerry says this. After Jesus was resurrected from the dead, where was the church? They were scared to death. They were in a locked room. They were hiding out. After they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what happened? They were filled with boldness to be his witnesses wherever they went. Those that had cowered and hid, now when they were asked, stood up and were counted. The source of life and power and the guts and the grit was not in just these men. It was in the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. Scripture tells us this is not a one-time event. Over and over in the book of Acts, we see people are being filled and being refilled. <coughs> Excuse me. And there's not a methodology that they're following. Sometimes people are, have their hands laid on them and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. Other times somebody's talking and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's poured out. There's one story, I believe it's Acts chapter 10, where Peter is talking to a group of people who, don't, who aren't Jewish. And the very fact that he's in their house is like a violation of Jewish law. And as he's talking, it says the Holy Spirit's poured out upon them. And according to what we, the inferences of the scriptures, that they began to speak in other tongues. And, and Peter's like, well, I guess this solves the issue of whether we can baptize them. You know, the, the Holy Spirit's been poured out on them too. There was no magical, this is the way it's done. Because when we ask to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not something we get to give. The, whole, the Heavenly Father gives the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus and then fills us. Does that make sense? So, following Christ's example, we start this day and every day asking God to fill us with the Holy Spirit with what we need. And our goal as people who are living 
in the name of Jesus, believing in the power of the name of Jesus, we are on a mission to live for us to Holy Spirit. As we prepare to respond, I want to ask Chris to come up. We're going to sing the song, Great Are You, Lord, one more time. I want you to think about this, though. Where are you in the process of obedience to Christ with water and Holy Spirit baptisms? Will you be open to what God has for you each day? Not what Louis says, but to say, God, in your name, I pray that you give me everything I need, that you say I need today. Our theology, or what we believe about God and his ways, may be based solely in the church traditions that we've had since we were, were brought up. And I have to tell you, I have had to lay down church traditions on a regular basis when they conflict with Scripture. We say, well, how could we ever have a church tradition that conflicts with Scripture? Because we're human beings, and we mess stuff up, we add things. And we want to we, we know everything. We want to control it. We want to be able to say, this is how it always is. God's ways are different than our ways, and his thoughts are very different than our thoughts. And the manner in which he does stuff, he does what he wants to do. There is order in that, but to, to think that we can somehow understand and know everything there is to know about God makes him equal to us, and he's far above us. Everything we need to know about God was revealed in Jesus, but that's not everything there is to know about God. Ultimately, our goal as a church is to be open for business, to do what Jesus would be doing if he was walking in our shoes, and that this is the way, this is the means by which we are empowered to do that because we're not good enough to do it in our own strength. And when we try without God's power, we end up being very, very religious. We acknowledge your word. We ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray that, Lord, as we respond to you, as we process this in our heads and in our hearts, we would uh, want you to do in us everything you would want to do. And I pray that you would uh, circumvent things in, in us that are, would resist you. I pray, Lord, for our, you would uh, help us to overcome flesh, Lord, overcome fear, and to trust you, and to know that being baptized with the Holy Spirit is not a surrender of our personhood. It's not a surrender of our ability to make decisions. It's simply being empowered and being filled with you to do the things that we can do in your name. Praise your name. I want to invite you to stand as Chris. Will you lead us?
Father, in Jesus' name, we stand before you. We acknowledge that you're the one who fills us with what we need to follow after you. You don't ask us to obey and not provide the means for us to obey. I just want to give you an opportunity with everybody's heads bowed and their eyes closed. If you are here today and you want to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, or you want God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to be a witness for him and to be filled with the power to follow him and to obey, I just would invite you to lift your hands between you and him. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would fill us with your spirit. Empower us to be witnesses. Empower us to live for you. Empower us to love. Empower us to speak your truth. Empower us to live in kindness and compassion. Empower us to be people who are bold in you and not in human stupidity. Thank you, Lord, that you're the one who gives the Holy Spirit without measure to all who would ask in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can put your hands down. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. There's going to be prayer available at the trellis back here right after we're done. I also want to speak these two blessings over us. One's from Romans 15, and the other one's from Numbers chapter 6. The first says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you today. This has been a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. You can reach us via email at web at hillside4.org. That's W-E-B at hillside, the number four, dot org.